Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. check one mic check one mic check one welcome to vicarious living welcome back to the podcast wind and pipes the ogs of the vl pod back in virtual podcast studio back to the oc after a little bit of a movie break we are gonna finish strong round third head into home oc season three it kicks off tonight with episodes 18 through 20 Again, catch all of these on HBO Max. But first, before Pipes calls in, little housekeeping, contact information, vicariouslivingpod at gmail.com and vicariouslivingpodcast on Instagram. Go there, search around. You'll see all the cool pics. You'll see all the swag. Slide a DM, get a shirt, get some swag. You'll love it. It's the greatest. Okay. As I said at the top, OG, call him back in, finish up on the OC. But let's first get the kids caught up with a little previously on the OC. Previously on the OC. What do I have to do to get you to stay? I think you're doing it. Julie, you know this engagement is a trial. What? Griffin will not move forward unless you're gone. He's been taking kickbacks from vendors. Totally and completely untrue. You give me your word, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. (laughs) What happened? I know about Volchuk. I've just gotten into you. <laughs> You're being so lame. Not as lame as you. I'm hoping that you both will apply to Berkeley. That guy from Brown, he didn't say that they couldn't take more than one student from Harbor. Hey, well, this might be the year. That's right. Whoa, you beat me here. Yeah, punctuality is my thing. Holy shit. I didn't even have time to do my warm-up exercises. I mean, go. Don't be bashful. You can do it in front of me. No, it's all right. I, I got to say, I uh, I just watched the episodes and I'm really glad we skipped 18 because I thought 19 and 20 really brought the fucking wood. They did bring the wood. And I mean, also 18, we didn't miss anything because I had no catch up to do. <laughs> no, we, we really didn't. And actually, if you want to just dive right in, you know, no small talk, just get right down to brass tacks. We can't. Let's do it. All right, so quick recap of episode 18 because I saw it, the preview, and I was like, there's only two things that happen in 18, so we can breeze right through them. I'll list them out. Okay. One, Ryan and Sadie hook up finally. Mm. Thank God. Been waiting on that. Long time. Uh, two, Marissa and Volchek. Yes. Fully on. Yes. That was, I think that was like, literally the only thing important that happened in 18 because I watched 17 didn't miss a beat besides all of a sudden Marissa's with Volchek and I had questions. Yeah. And they well, you probably have questions because they don't really like, there's no lead up. It's just, there, there's no progression of a relationship. It's just at some point they both realize we're both really miserable, but we're still 18 and horny. So we should probably do cocaine and fuck. 
Yeah, yeah. We'll get into it for sure uh, once we get into the meat of this episode, but they keep trying to give Volchek layers almost and then not. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because it's like they're trying to give him layers, and I can't tell if it's because he's actually like a good actor or if he sucks, but like... I mean, he does sizzle on the screen. Like, we don't remember the name Volchek for no reason. It's like they're giving him layers, but it's part of his character almost that he can't just, like, become a good guy. Like, he can't do it. It's like a roadblock in him. So, anyways, we'll, we'll get into it, though. My only question, which popped into my head when I watched the two things from episode 18 was... Does a, a kiss just officially mean in the OC that you guys are dating officially? One kiss? Yeah, I think that's like the OC equivalent to giving someone your uh, your ring, you know, your high school ring. Your purity ring? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought you were going to say it was the equivalent of giving someone in high school a BJ. <laughs> yeah, you give a BJ, you're officially dating, obviously. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, I should say um, from Bye Bye Birdie, it's the equivalent to getting pinned. I don't know what that means, but I'm assuming it's gonna, true. Uh, I would give you my pin. And then that meant officially everyone knew you were taken. We we're going steady. Oh, uh, okay. Is that a movie? I think it's a music. <laughs> I'm sure it's been, a, I'm sure it's been a movie at some point. I was in the Our Lady of Visitation, eighth grade rendition of Bye Bye Birdie. Any kisses that night? No, I did not. Uh, I did not kiss on stage. I was in the chorus. Um, I remember a friend of mine, Matthew S., uh, was a lead, I believe, and got a kiss on stage. Hey, Matthew S., still waiting for you to come on this pod and do Van Wilder, like you said, like a year ago. So if you're still listening, I, reach out. I, I can't remember the details. I may be speaking out of school, but somehow that sticks in my mind. So. Cool. 99% chance Matthew S. got a kiss on stage. That'd be unreal. Cool by you, Matthew S. Episode 19, The Secrets and Lies. You know what I realized early on in this episode? First minute, I realized when they're all hanging out at the bait shop. Ryan, he's a... I stand behind my girl at a party and wrap my arms around her the entire time. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to say, dude, there's nothing lamer than that guy. Uh, yeah, he's not a <laughs> he's a party clinger. Oh, dude, it's so fucking weak. He's like, yeah, I'm going to get chips. Do you want chips? Should we both go get chips? You want chips, babe? babe? You chip? Chips, babe? Babe? Chips. <laughs> he he I. God, I could not be a polar opposite to the guy with his arms around his girl standing behind her with his I mean, wiener touching party, her butt guy. You work a room. Like, that's yeah, you. That's you know me. how to work a room. Ryan's not a work a room. Party no. man. I, I, I am pretty confident that if I am anywhere in mixed company, if anyone just walked into that room, they would have no idea who my wife is. Yeah, that's fair to say. <laughs> so I, I, me and Ryan just could not be polar opposites, like our etiquette at a party. But it just jumped out to me in that first scene. I was like, oh, damn. Nothing makes more sense in the world to me than Ryan being that guy. And it's, it's disappointing, but makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Ryan's either brooding by himself 
or literally has his hands in the back pockets of his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. No middle. Yeah. Or, or some version of like his thumbs in her front pocket or her thumbs being in his front pockets. Either way, they're attached in some way at, in the lower, in the lower extremities and yes. probably by pockets. Yeah. Pockets, fingers and or hands are going in pockets. Uh, next note from me, Volchek and Marissa are doing a lot of get super blacked out, uh, have wild sex, pass out in the trailer, wake up the next morning. Only interesting note for me was Volchek with this quick fire comment when he woke up the next morning. Come here. It's Cherry. Look, you gotta go. Swag and bake, baby. Always cures a hangover. Hey, I knew you were going to love that quote. <laughs> I made a note <laughs> to bring it up to you in case you didn't. And uh, B, there is also a hilarious line where, like, Volchek's a bong guy. Like, you wouldn't think he was a bong guy. Like, he's just kind of got, like, an edge to him. But, like, we'll get into a little bit later. He's definitely a cocaine guy. Oh, um, yeah. These scenes, they're getting blacked out drunk and just smoking bongs together. And there's a scene where he's just like, and he's like, oh, it's Jerry. It's Jerry, dude. It's Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> and it just reminds me of that video of uh, Kyle from SNL. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can find that and play a little of that because I don't think we've ever played any of those clips. Oh, what's up? You're my blaze brother, dude. Like Volchek as a stoner is the same as that that guy from SNL acting like he's a stoner, just saying random stoner terms. What would you imagine a Volchek esque guy? What would be his his uh, smoke method of choice? Oh, I would go marijuana cigarette. Like he's a joint guy. Oh, like Seth. Pre rolled. Yeah. Pre rolled yeah. in a Ziploc bag. Okay. Maybe. I don't know, maybe a blunt guy, like he rolls it up in a, like a cigarillo. Oh, uh, yeah, or like that, in a black and mild. Yeah, like he's got a black and mild. That that makes sense to me. So then if we're putting him in that box, where would we actually put Seth from a smoking weed perspective box? Because uh, um, I'm not comfortable having Volchek and Seth in the same. See, Seth's a bong guy. Like you could see Seth with like the full apparatus and all the nerdy shit. Whereas like Volchek, it's like, he's too cool for that stuff. Okay. Are we thinking also Seth is probably like a big hookah guy? Yeah. Like that. And plus the family lineage. Like, I mean, his dad, Sandy Cohen could make a bong out of anything. We don't everyone, know <laughs> everyone knows that dude. Coke can apple. He does it all. Um, Dr. Neil Roberts and Julie Cooper, they get engaged as I'm noticing a theme of me in season three, my analytics, that is, I'm not really totally on board with the whole Neil Roberts thing, as we've discussed. He just came in too late for me. So any storyline that he's connected to with Julie annoys me a little bit. But the only thing I'll say about it, though, is how weird would it be if like when we were in high school, all of a sudden, like, our parents just started hooking up. <laughs> Mind you specifically or just the general idea? Uh, either or. 
I mean, whatever, whatever you want to dive into. I mean, it's one of those good news, bad news situation things. It's like the bad news is like your parents are hooking up with your friend's parents and that's completely gross. Good news, brothers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's tough. It's, it, it is. You're, you're spot on. It is a good news, bad news thing. I, I f- for whatever reason, I'm trying to think like which way would be worse. Like, is it worse if your dad gets with like one of your friend's moms or if your mom gets with one of your friend's dads? Because like if it's my dad, I'm going, God, dad, way to break up the fucking family, dick. But then if it's your mom, it's like, God, it's so I don't want a new dad. Like, I don't want to think about a new guy having sex with my mom. <laughs> yeah i think they're equally disturbing <laughs> it sucks either way so let's just net out it sucks if you're seth or if you're summer and marissa and your parents start hooking up it's the the bad outweighs the good of like you guys potentially like being sisters yeah and i'm gonna leapfrog uh off of that point just to touch on this real quick we get a lot of kind of drama between um summer and marissa in this episode and a little bit in the next episode like sister stuff like they started fighting like sisters which they don't really they've gotten into fights and uh had blowouts before but this is just kind of a different level and i think they're playing off of that kind of we're sisters now kind of thing they hated each other for a little bit and it's mostly because uh summer hates flask marissa like she hates that flask marissa is back yeah, that's a good term for her, flask, Marissa, and also a very seamless, very professional podcasting transition by you because that's the very next plot point we need to get to, which is Marissa has gone off the deep end and she's fully back in the flask, Marissa territory. She's fucking Volchek. She's getting fights with Summer. She's skipping class. She's getting drunk all the time and high all the time. Ryan found her flask at school at the lockers. Mm-hmm. Not good. I just there's no worse Marissa than this than flask Marissa. No, it just <laughs> things are going off the rails. Nobody knows how to control her. Everybody like at this point, everybody's so over it. It's just kind of in the background of everybody's drama. Ryan's kind of moved on. He, they're not dating anymore. I feel like Summer's got her kind of old things and she's just more annoyed with it. And so she's like, the safety net is a little gone under Marissa, which is kind of scary. But yeah, she's, uh, I don't want to say tornado mode, but she's, she's Flask Marissa. She's <laughs> No, let's just keep it Flask Marissa because I think Flask Marissa, it's exactly what we need to describe her because just inexplicably, she always has a flask when she's in this like tornado of destruction mode. And I don't know why, because like a flask is something you do now. Like at 33, we go to a movie theater. We maybe have a drink at dinner, drink or two at dinner. Then you go to a movie theater. You obviously don't want to pay the $37 for a Corona at a movie. So you bring a flask and that's kind of like one of the ways to do it. But I just, in high school, I don't think you were ever really carrying around a flask. It was like you had your if you were going to take shots, it was uh, of a handle of Kamchaka that everyone just had at the party and yes. that you were just downing. It wasn't in a flask. Uh, no, I mean, there's literally three scenarios in which a flask is appropriate. Uh, sneaking it into an event, be it a movie or sports. Sports, maybe yeah. 
like a hiking type deal, you know, yeah. if you're, and then the third one is if you're an actual cowboy from like the 1800s. Oh, love that. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. You took it all the way back. So really there's only two ways in 2021 that you can right. drink out of a flask. And then the other one is 200 years in the past. Yes. So pretty wild, dude, that over, from 1800s to, to now, there was no new ways besides this two to drink out of a flask. Only three. Yeah. No, good point. And, and that's true, dude. That, that's, it's true. And I, I don't understand why she drinks a flask, but it's a perfect descriptor for her. So let's just call this version of Marissa flask Marissa. Um, you know, you mentioned this point about everyone's kind of just like over it. And it's true. There, there's no worse thing in life than when someone has reached that indifference point. Like yeah. when you're getting into a fight, like you and intern Whitney, when you mm-hmm. guys get into a fight, you, what, what you want when you're mad and stuff is you want to get a rise out of the other person as shitty as it sounds. What sucks is like if they reach that pure indifference point, it's like you've immediately lost and you're pathetic as shit. <laughs> so everyone else now treats Marissa at this like indifference level. And I think Ryan showed that when he went to go see Volchek and it was like, dude, fuck Ryan's about to do what he always does. He gets angry. He's going to fight it. This guy stole his girl. He's going to go fight him on the beach by the pier, whatever. And he goes on the beach, though, and he just says this. You know, I just knew. I knew it was only a matter of time until you got in my face again. I want to talk. About what? Your new girlfriend or mine? Because, you know, I got stories about both. Yeah, you do. This is where you tell me I better leave her alone, that she's too good for me? Whoever Marissa wants to be with, it's not my place to judge. So, you know, I'm not looking after her anymore. It's on you now. right she deserves it she's like dude it's on you now bud yep it's your journey uh that was a real class act move by ryan i like this was one of my favorite moments of the season so far definitely in this episode because like you said it sets it up where you think he's gonna beat volchek up um i guess they're in the diner him and sadie his girlfriend's named sadie right i'm not crazy yeah smoke show yeah. Uh, I don't know why that doesn't stick. Anyways, <clears throat> they're in the diner and some of Volchek's surf buddies are talking shit to Ryan and uh, they pay and him and Sadie are outside and Ryan's like, I need to double back and, you know, take care of something inside. And you're like, oh, shit, he's going to beat these guys up. And then he goes and does the like real low growl Ryan hard ass voice. He's like, have Volchek meet me tomorrow morning at 1030 under the pier. He tells his bros, he's like, hey, can you remember all that? Yeah. And then he leans in, camera like zooms in on his face and he goes, or do you need me to write it down for you? Yeah, it was badass. (laughs) (laughs) I remember thinking it was a good twist because when he first schedules the confrontation here at 9, 30, 10 a.m. In my mind, I'm like, terrible time for a fight. Oh, yeah. what are you going to do? Like drink, you know, drink a cup of coffee and go have a full on fist fight under the pier. 
like great location, obviously under the piers where a lot of shit goes down, but the timing of it was off for me. And it well, hold on, hold on. Let's drill into that for a quick second. I actually think you can do a morning beatdown, but it's got to be, there's only one option and that's at dawn. Hmm. It's interesting. Cause I was going to make the point that there is a minimum threshold time-wise is when you can have this kind of fight. It, it should be in the at, like it should be in the evening or at night or whatever. But I'm just saying, like I'm going back to the 1800s. I'm thinking of a lot of like old west, like you know, shootouts or uh, duels yeah. that are always at dawn. Well, so, so I was gonna set my threshold at high noon. Oh fuck! Maybe there's like multiple times then: dawn, high noon, and late at night. <laughs> like a dusk or late, yeah, yeah, at some some point. Either way. 10 a.m. is not any of those hot, hot times. But yeah, let's just say, let's say you want to beat my ass. Uh, good luck, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be either and, 6 and you a.m. Like, text like, listen, dude, we're meeting at 7.30 a.m. tomorrow to fight. I'm just going to be like, yeah, set an alarm. This yeah. sucks. I get the drop on me, though, because I'm not a morning guy. Well, now I know. Like, do it at dawn and you're <laughs> fucked. But yeah. 6 a.m., high noon, maybe like a dusk, so like a 7.47 p.m., and then obviously super late at night, like after you get blacked out past midnight. So there's four time windows to beat ass. Ryan didn't choose any of the four. No. Um, But yeah, and it makes sense as to why why the twist happens, where he actually has like a real... Um, like manly confrontation with him and just says to treat her right and all that stuff. And I feel like Volchak's heart grew a little bit in that moment. He's like, damn, okay, cool. And then you yeah. think you have a little change of heart and he kind of does for a little bit, but then he just, <laughs> I don't know if you want to flash forward to that scene. I think that's the next thing that happens um, because it's Volchak after that scene. Oh, on the, on the, with the fire. Yeah. By the fire. And uh, Volchak's just like, asking her all these questions about herself and she's like oh man that's interesting you're like kind of like talking to me what's what's going on like Volchek's being a good guy and it's throwing her off and then marissa says this i wanted to be treated right i wouldn't be with you <laughs> yeah and then and then Volchek subsequently asks her if she wants uh to do this like line of cocaine yeah you, you want a bump baby <laughs> <laughs> I was like uh, if you're Volchak, that's like a big yikes moment. Like, oh man, I guess I am a, a real big a hole. Anyways, you want some cocaine? That's where I'm saying. I just Volchak is like, I do think he's trying, and I don't know if he's just a bad actor or if it's just like it's not in his character to be able to do this. Like. I think he wants to how I came away from that bonfire scene was he wants to, but he just physically can't. Yeah. yeah. And so he's kind of like, you know, uh, like meathead dudes who don't know how to talk about their feelings or whatever, when something bad goes down. And so like his only response is, uh, let's do cocaine. Yeah. He, he doesn't have a mode in him. That's like, Oh, let me drill down. I can tell she's upset or whatever. It's yeah. just okay, uh, cocaine. That's where I think we get confused and a little disappointed. Where it's just like, are they trying to add layers to him? Like, I feel like he is just ready for some layers and they're trying, but not really. It's almost like a fake out every time. 
Well, see, that's where I go. Maybe he does have layers and it's just not the layers to like, you know, become an onion good guy in our core four world. It's just <laughs> his layers are these are bad guy layers. Um, yeah, just many shades of being a bad guy. Yeah. Um, what we're drilled into Volchek, can we talk about his apartment real quick? Oh, yeah, we got yeah, we got a like sneak the, peek. The aesthetic in Volchek's layer is just odd. Um, he's got CDs stacked everywhere. He's got like weird red dividers. I don't know if it's, he's always smoking bongs and stuff or cigarettes, but there's just always like a smoke in the air and it's really dimly lit. Like he's just got a bad guy apartment. Yeah. It's kind of lit in like a reddish hue. Yeah. Very red. Where it's like, dude, you may have a seizure here if you're sitting in this type of lit, like this <laughs> red lit apartment. It's uh yeah, very studio esque kind of vibe. No rooms, just like one big open open concept. Um, with like a divider from like the bathroom to his bedroom to just the quote unquote living room. Yeah, it's it's a pretty weird, disgusting dynamic, but I don't know. It kind of fit. It was like, yeah, this is exactly where I'd expect Volchek to live. Right, right. I'm into it. All right, let's just end this episode. I kind of want to fast forward through it. I mean, do you want to touch on any of the Sandy match stuff or should we? The only thing I'd be curious to touch on real quick is some of the Seth Kirsten stuff with her bringing him to AA. I actually like that moment. I, I wrote down yeah. very heartfelt moment between Seth and Kirsten. Yeah. And I wrote no uh, additional notes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked it. The The setup was they go on like a, a mother-son date and he takes her to like one of his uh, nerdy movies or something, like a ninja movie. And uh, they're driving home and she's like, obviously wasn't into the movie, but she was just loving spending some time with him. She's like, can I get a second date? And he's like, yeah, of course. And the yeah. second date is she doesn't tell him, but they just show up and it's AA and he's, like super weirded out at first but then like she pressures him into staying and uh yeah that was kind of a heartfelt moment shall we play that clip of which her speech please do all right here it is congratulations you're nine months sober oh thank you all of you and uh especially my son seth who's here with me tonight he doesn't know this but He's the reason that I got sober. The look on his face at my intervention, he was so disappointed in me. But he believed that I could do this, and he was right. I honestly, in my head, I remembered it being like a longer speech and like more, but it was kind of just like short, sweet to the point of like, hey, son, just so you know, uh, you're the reason why I got my entire life back together. So it was a heartfelt moment. I, I do think those moments are becoming like few and far between, like in season three. I felt like in season one, we had more of those and, and they're kind of like falling by the wayside a little bit. And I don't really know why, because those moments, those are good moments. I like them. Yeah, they're good moments. And it was deep. It was like one of those things where 
she was more comfortable talking to complete strangers about all of her shit instead of talking to her family about it. And it was probably all the shame and stuff. And then she eventually brought him in and I thought it was cool. Dude, real quick. I think we've talked about this on the pod. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you just sparked it in my head. Um, the whole premise of is it cher- dude, is it cherry? Cherry in your no. head? <laughs> no. Uh, well, yeah, actually it is. It, the whole premise of breakfast club. Have we yeah. discussed this? Uh, I don't know. Perhaps spark me, dude. Cherry me, dude. Let's let's cherry each other. The whole th- reason that they made Breakfast Club, and I, I we have to do it at some point on this pod. I honestly have no idea. I mean, we did that fucking Dawson's Creek episode that was like an homage to Breakfast Club, and we still haven't actually done the one of the greatest teen movies of all time. Um, but John Hughes said the whole reason the spark. His cherry did that little cherry spark that sparked the whole movie premise was that he had realized like in his life that it was actually a lot easier to tell your deepest and darkest secrets to complete strangers and all yeah. this stuff that you've been ashamed to tell the people closest to you in your life, your friends, your family, whoever, it actually comes out a lot easier to complete strangers because you don't have all the built in preconceived judgment and like I'm letting my I'm letting my dad down or whatever. None of that. It all goes away. And so what you're saying about Kirsten seems like we're touching a little bit on that. Yeah, I think so. And I think that rings true in this scene. Um, nice note. Great cherry, dude. dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. We are getting real deep. Uh, uh, by the way, the the other reason I wanted to bring up that AA scene is because there is a candidate for uh, a pretty famous award that I usually give out on these podcasts. Uh, I don't know if you remember the old guy who gets up and yeah. gets the deal. Uh, <laughs> Should we just uh, give him the Ryan Philippi? You want to just play the clip real quick? Yeah. I'd pissed in the streets, eaten out of garbage, and accidentally shot my wife. Not once, but twice. Thank you very much. It's a horrible tale. It's like, <laughs> dude, that's, that's a yeah, lot of dude. We'll give him the. Well, we're not even gonna do a Ryan Phillippe nominees on this. He just you guy. You are the Ryan Phillippe practice here award of this episode. Uh, also, he fell asleep immediately after giving that speech. He sat down in his AA chair and just passed out. Right. Uh, um. All right. Let's just end episode nineteen with a little Ryan Sadie drama. She's about to leave, dude. She's already fixed up the place, helped with the funeral. I don't know what else she was there for, but whatever. Her time is up. A lot of boxes. And she's going to leave, but we'll just quickly go through it. Ryan tries to to get her to stay, but he's too late. But then actually Marissa saves the day, dude. She does. With this fire clip where actually she gets Sadie to stay. Ryan really cares about you. He told you that? I mean, he didn't have to. After everything we've been through, I think I know him pretty well. Yeah, well, this is my best. He wants you to stay. He didn't try to stop me. Yeah, he did. He was just a couple minutes too late. Why are you doing this? Well, I guess because you make Ryan happy. You know, it seemed like it was tough for Marissa to kind of it was almost like she was admitting it to herself in that moment. Mm. 
you gave Ryan what I never could happiness. Mm, that's tough. That is tough. She, I like, this was a good move by her, but I have written down that she did one kind of nice thing, like one favor, and then immediately went off the rails. Like it was just too much. Like she was a considerate person like one time and then just needed to go get blacked out drunk to deal with her feelings. And that is what she does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she, the episode ends with Marissa uh, finally indulging in Volchek's pleas to tandem join him on the, the cocaine deep dive on the beach with the bros by the bonfire. Yeah. So now Marissa's fully doing coke. Hate seeing it. Hate to see it. Dude. Both both these episodes we watched tonight, real somber endings, because this one ended with a bunch of lines of cocaine, and then the other <laughs> one ended with, uh, well, you know what? That's a tease. That Let's is not a say. Mm. Let's just move into episode 20 with a little song transition. I like to say hello and welcome you. Good day. That is my name. Sit down, I'm so glad you even really truly came Episode 20, the day after tomorrow. Is it it sounds like that Tom Cruise movie? Uh no, you're thinking of Jake Gyllenhaal movie. I'm thinking of Edge of Tomorrow, that super underrated Tom Cruise movie. Oh yeah, that movie actually is totally legit. I know. <laughs> that movie's good. <laughs> it was just so generic that nobody remembered it. I thought you were talking about the Jake Gyllenhaal um it might be called the day after tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, is that uh, the apocalypse movie? Yeah, Emmy Rossum is in it. Yeah. Hey, Whitney, what's up? Hi. <laughs> Just screaming in the background. Cameo. She's behind the glass. Like, she's behind the Whitney, glass. Whitney hasn't been on the pod for a while, but she sits. She's about seven inches away from me, like off camera right now. Well, she's behind the glass. Yeah, and uh, no, the, the glass is right here. She's right next to it, but she's piped in. And if I like misstep, she very quickly corrects me. So that's why like, I, I always sound so smart on these with all the facts because so she's back. Anytime there's like a very chauvinist comment by us, yeah. does she pipe in through the glass into your ear about, you know, keep it in check? Uh, no, uh, I just cringe. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I can feel her cringes through the glass. So that helps. Love that. No, I love we still got this trio. Arrow, you know? Still got this trio dynamic going on, dude. The, obviously, the podcasting <laughs> talent here in studio, virtually, of course. She's still getting paid no money. <laughs> that's good. It's just That's our sweet spot, dude. All of our employees get paid nothing. 
All right, episode 20. The reality of Sadie Stang is starting to sink in, I think, with Ryan. (laughs) They've decided. Let's just fast forward a little bit. They've decided that Sadie is going to stay. And now, like, the novelty is worn off of, like, the coolness factor. And now it's becoming real life. Yes. I gets himself into these situations fairly frequently, I feel like, with his romantic dances. Well, it's like he lets his boner do the talking, you know, when it's trying to get Sadie to not get on that Greyhound bus. But then, like, when the coffee's poured and the sun's shining the next day, all of a sudden that boner's not doing too much talking. Yeah, it's like when the Greyhound is about to leave the station, no one wants anyone to get on that Greyhound. Mm -mm. But then, you know, the next day, be it at dawn or high noon or whenever the, <laughs> whenever uh, the light hits, it's a little different. It's definitely a little different because now you're just full on 18 years old trying to figure out how you're going to spend the rest of your lives together. Yeah, you know, she's going like, to do a jewelry business. She can right. work from home, though, so she can. She's mobile. She is mobile. That is true. She's ahead of the curve on that one. But yeah, like you do find yourself like online seeing if like. Greyhound tickets are transferable to like the following date and, and all that. Stuff. Yeah. So, uh, what, by the way, do we think uh, Sadie's budding uh, jewelry business is she like on Etsy with that? I would hope it, so. This is 05. Etsy's probably crushing it right about now. Yeah, I feel like uh, like her back. You know, her story after this is she did get in early on Etsy and just multi-millionaire. Julia business. For whatever reason, I thought you were going to say she's now Kendra Scott. <laughs> I think it's because I just saw her on Shark Tank and she's like know. a billionaire. I don't know who that is. Oh, Whitney would know. Whitney, tell Pat who Kendra Scott is. Yeah. Who's Kendra Scott? Very good jewelry designer. Very good jewelry designer. Okay. I know. I now, I now essentially now know who Kendra Scott is. Let me paint you a picture. Anna asked for some Kendra Scott jewelry for our anniversary because obviously there was no way I was going to pay that for her, for her like at any other point in the year. So right. like a few months went by, finally went and got it for her. And it was like $500 for the cheapest shit. Mm. And worth it. Yeah, worth it. Quality? How's the quality? <laughs> I don't know. Just whatever, but yeah, that's that's Sadie now. <laughs> All right, college, dude. Let's just get into college. College yeah, acceptance. This, this is the college episode. Everybody's getting into college. Most people are getting into college. So I want to talk a lot about college acceptance in this episode. Um, Marissa Berkeley in in summer Ivy League Brown in. Somehow in uh, Ryan Berkeley in in Seth Brown out out. Now, have you seen that whole uh, thing about the college acceptance on Netflix? Or whatever? I did. Yeah, I thought it was fascinating. So from what I learned in that documentary, with all the baggage of these core four members, I mean, Marissa shot a guy. Yep. Ryan has been in and out of jail essentially his entire life. Summer has like a D plus average 
<laughs> and then somehow magically got perfect SAT scores. Either way, Seth has no extracurriculars, by the way. No extracurriculars. He just had great grades, but horrible SAT scores. He started some clubs, though. You he know, was in he sailing club. Club, sailing club. So, good point. Actually, a perfect point by you. From that College of Missions documentary, I learned that sailing scholarship might be the best way for you yeah. to get into an Ivy League school. So for some reason, Seth, who's got a much better track record and real sailing pictures, not photoshopped <laughs> ones, he doesn't get in, yet all these other kids somehow all got accepted into these insane schools. It's a little too convenient for me. I was just waiting on like the summer or Marissa like photoshopped uh, water polo picture. <laughs> By the way, I, I thought that documentary was great. First of all, I, I don't know why, but I always just kind of like assumed that happened and was kind of like cool with it. Like, yeah, uh, yeah rich, rich people just, you know, whatever that happens. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I was cool with it, uh, but it's fascinating that that all got exposed. I kind of just accepted a long time ago too. Like life is just way better if you're super attractive or really rich. So yeah, yeah. I just assumed I there my, was perks. I made my piece with it, applied to a state school and was just like, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Indiana university, same as you got the sweatshirt on right now. And uh, yeah, didn't even, didn't even imagine going like the, my expectations uh, were not very lofty of like going to a, I th dude, my impression of that doc was it's mostly West Coast, East Coast kids, like New yeah, York I, and California. Almost exclusively, I think. Um, I ended up just feeling bad for, I forget what the school that he worked for was, not to get too uh, deep into this, but the guy who made zero money on it, he was just kind of oh. like, I forget what's, what school was that guy? He was like the sailing coach for something. And that guy just kept contacting him and sending him money and he just kept giving the checks to the athletic department like yeah this guy's sending us checks so here's the check and he got <laughs> complete i think he uh barely missed jail time and his career was ruined his career is completely over like yeah he's he's fucked forever his whole life it's wild i i came away from that documentary yes feeling very bad for that guy but also like not blaming the parents you know, like I was just like, whatever. They have a lot of money and they obviously want to do what they possibly can for their kids. Like, I don't know. I, I just felt like I didn't blame them. Uh, there were other, there was other blame to go around. Like, obviously, that main guy spearheading all of it, that guy was shady. <laughs> yeah, shit. So crazy. <laughs> um, I thought the lady, that old lady who was kind of like running the show at the NCAA who was like, hey, I just got this 5'5 five, five guy for a D1 college basketball scholarship. I'm going to let him slide through I mean, the process. The, yeah, that was crazy. The One of the cringy parts was the guy who was adamant that his kid didn't find out about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, oh, man, this kid yeah. probably so sweet, but he's not. His dad just like behind the scenes, like a puppet master, just making his life easy. Yeah, I kind of liked it when I just thought it was like the parents were more innocent. Like they just thought they were paying this guy like, hey, I pay you money. I don't see how the sausage is made. I just <laughs> yeah. I give you money 
and magically my kid is going to Princeton the following fall. Yeah. They're like, I don't want to know the details, but like, yeah, I'm going to give you $500,000 and then you just make it happen. Stop calling me. Just Stop calling. <laughs> I'll get the letter in the mail that says my kid should show up on campus come August. <laughs> that guy was an, uh, he was an awesome uh I don't know what it would be snitch when he was like trying to get, <laughs> he was became a cooperating witness. Oh, like the main, yeah. So let, standard sentence. He, Cause he was unreal at it. He would call him and just squeeze the information out of him. He'd be like, so yeah. Um, and that, that time when you did pay me $500,000 to make sure your kid got into school. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. God, I hate informants, dude. That whenever I see that happen in a movie, I'm just like, God damn fucking rats. Dude, I know that's the one thing I love about you. Like if shit goes down with me and you, I know you're not going to roll on me. So Dude, never. I'd never with the Appreciate cops, that. dude. Fucking yeah. never. Appreciate that about you. All right, last thing on these colleges. No backup schools? Of course not. God damn, dude. I mean, again, my I didn't apply to like super insanely high-end schools, but I applied to multiple. Right. Regardless. It- in their defense, it is kind of a pain in the ass. It takes like maybe like two and a half hours to fill out all the stuff for each school. So, you know, maybe it was just like brown or bust. I, it's a Ivy League or bust. I, I mean, it's got to be the percentage of people that are applying to Ivy League schools. You're smart enough to at least have at least like minimum one backup. <laughs> all right. Anyways, the big thing in this episode is the college sweatshirt party slash bonfire on the beach yes we should go there i have many thoughts i'm gonna start small number one dude ryan's sweatshirt game no hood if that's me i'm wearing a sweatshirt with a hood you think so yeah, I, I, you could. He stood out like a sore thumb. I, everyone's college sweatshirt on that beach had a fucking hood. But uh, my counterpoint would be, and this is the only little nitpick I'll have with this take is: imagine if he's wearing a Berkeley zip-up gray sweatshirt with a hood. I think he wants to go back to Chino. Oh yeah, so he did it strategically because it it rang too true. Yeah, he's like, I'm looking to the future, not in the past. That that gross cesspool that is chino california oh yeah i mean honestly there's no possible way that josh schwartz made that connection when he worked with the costume department to dress everyone but (laughs) i'm fully on board with it okay Okay. (laughs) like i actually if we're gonna drill way deeper than josh schwartz ever would yeah kind of on board summer did wear that exact thing she was wearing a brown gray hoodie zipped in the front. But yeah, I, I get your point. If that's the case, then kudos to Ryan, because I definitely don't want to bring up like his PTSD from Chino. I get that. But then on the flip side, I'm like, I don't know, Ryan, 99% of the other kids at that fucking bonfire, they're yeah. wearing hoods. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a Seth move. Like Ryan should have a hood on. If Seth like wouldn't have been an idiot and did a backup school or, you know, went to his Brown interview, that kind of stuff. He'd be the no hoodie sweatshirt guy. Yeah, we'll get to Seth in a second. Um, still keeping it on Ryan real quick. 
Sadie goes to that bonfire party and dude, if I'm gonna be completely honest to you and the kids listening, right. And to intern Whitney behind the glass, mm-hmm. my stomach hurt really, really bad when Sadie showed up to that bonfire party. I, she's got to be better than that and just not go to that. She's got to do something cooler. Just take a pass. I mean, yeah, she's got to take a pass on that. But maybe she's just trying to get used to her future of following Ryan to Berkeley and just going to all these college parties trying to sell jewelry. You know? it's Sadie, to me, I love Sadie. I think she's one of the most attractive ones from the show. After she stayed, a lot of things started happening that are like kind of pathetic. And I hate saying it, but it's it's a fact. And all I know is this, dude. I was in this situation freshman year of college. I'm not even going to go super into it, but I was invited to a high school dance and I did not accept that invitation. And it was the girl I was super obsessed with and was dating at the time. I was a freshman in college and in my head, I was like, there's no fucking chance. Like I would look so lame at that high school dance. That's tough. That's, that's a tough decision. And don't you think that Sadie is in that same boat of like her showing up and she doesn't go to the school and she's a year older. It's just like, dude, who are you? Yeah. I mean, maybe she sits that one out. I don't know. But to take a quick step back outside of this party, but stay on Sadie. Um, when she is first talking about moving up to Berkeley with Ryan and he brings it up to the Coens at dinner. Did you find it a little weird that they were assuming like uh, they weren't feeling it at all. They thought it was a bad call. And then their assumption was that they were also going to be floating her like her rent and groceries and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, the Sandy and Kirsten at that dinner party when Ryan and Sadie broke the news that they were going to be like shacking up together at 18 in college, just getting an apartment freshman year. They handled that so horribly. (laughs) They made Sadie and everyone, they made her feel so awkward that she, her only avenue out of the situation was just mid dinner, get up and leave. I got to bail. Yeah. Poorly handled. Yeah, that one I blame the parents for because it's like you guys are adults. You can't handle this with a little more finesse in that moment. And then later when you're talking with your fake son, Ryan, like in the pool house, you like tell him what's up. No, no. That's when you go like you raise the voice a couple octaves and just give it a, oh, that's great. No, yeah. And then the next day. Ah, this is so funny. Like I literally never have heard Sandy sweat money in this show, but he's like, yeah. So we were actually budgeting, helping you out, you know, with rent and, uh, and food and all that stuff, but we didn't really know there was another person in the mix. So <laughs> good. Good point about Sandy. Cause we weren't even going to talk about him much in this, but I just want to ask a quick question because he's got a whole lot of shit going on with Matt Ramsey. Here's all you need to know. Sandy has like fully taken over the old Caleb Nickel position as the head of the Newport group and has become so fucking evil that it's like, (laughs) who has gone to the dark side more in your opinion right now? Marissa fucking blowing lines of cocaine with Volchek or Sandy dude with the fucking Newport group and just totally getting Matt Ramsey beat the fuck up 
to like uh, make the hospital deal happen all shady as shit dude i gotta go with sandy like yeah. it's just interesting yeah. like i worked at a hospital for like four years and i had no idea what happens behind the scenes like apparently there's like all this assault happening and you know all these uh all this payola happening and yep dark dark business who knew and well, i guess you can't, yeah. you can't run a company you can't run a real estate business without basically being a mob boss that's true and Sandy is doing a lot of looking the other way with this sketchy guy he's in business with. Yep. And I think with Marissa, her bar is so <laughs> fucking low that it's like you expect it when she goes into flask Marissa mode and she just starts sucking. Like, that's par for the course. But when Sandy does it, it's like, dude. Come on, dude. You're the moral compass. You're the rock of the show. And you're like in your 50s. Yeah. <laughs> all right summer and seth should we go to them yes please all right dude at this sweatshirt party summer and seth break up probably my most disgusted moment in watching the oc in a long time was during this breakup scene little context seth did not get into brown as we discussed summer did Seth has been lying about it this entire time. He's just been telling everyone that he actually got in. I right. don't know why that is what he's doing. He's back to lying Seth mode. Like uh, it was like back to the, him skipping that interview and lying about it. I think he would have learned his lesson. You'd think, but he hasn't. And so at this bonfire, he's not wearing the brown sweatshirt. Everyone's confused. He pulls Summer to the side and he says this clip to her face. I'm not sure that I want to go to Brown next year. What? I've just been thinking a lot about it and I'm not I'm not exactly sure that Brown is the right choice for me. For you, I still I think it's great. We applied to Brown so that we could be together. Yeah, I know. I just I guess I changed my mind. So what, we just suddenly apply somewhere else? No, I think you should still go to Brown. You should. I'll just go somewhere else. Do you really mean this? I'm sorry. I think it's for the best. This uh, is so tough. And this to me is like, I, I, there's no other possibility. There's no other nominee for me. It's in this moment. First time on the VL pod, I believe the MCITW is ever going to one Seth Cohen, but in this episode, it is going to him. So that is the MCITW is the Mercy Cooper is the worst of the week. And it is brought to you by Wicklow where fine sponsors Wicklow where that's W I C K L O W where be free and explore. Get all your outdoor gear at wicklow.com. Save them promo code VL. Check out 10% off your order kits. That's $30 on the baseball tees, $20 on the tanks, $40 on the hooded sweatshirts, $20, whatever. Who cares on the t-shirts? We got them. Who cares? This award for the worst character in the TV show goes to Seth Cohen. You hate to see it. I hate to see it, dude. It, like, how is this the plan? How, how is this the plan? You know, I'm actually a big proponent of white lies. Uh, I, no, it sounds I, bad. It I, sounds know bad. <laughs> I realized after I said that it sounded bad. <laughs> I don't mind a white lie where it's like no one is being harmed by this. If Anna's asking me, <laughs> trying to think of a white lie. Um, Let, let's say I invite you to the pool. 
for whatever reason you wake up that day, like you're, you're not feeling confident in your body. You haven't been hitting the gym and I invite yeah, you. Good point. Yeah. Let's like, keep it out of my marriage. Yeah, we'll keep yeah, it out of my marriage. Yeah. Like get that with me and like, let me in on your issues. So you just tell me you're not feeling well. Right. There it is. I have no problem with that type of white lie because in my head, I rationalize it as no one is hurt by this. Who cares? I'll see, I'll see them, you know, next week at the pool after I hit the gym really hard that week, get right. shredded, eight pack of abs, all good. And no one is the wiser and no one is harmed by this. Seth, though, is like fully cool with just lying where everyone is harmed. Like he's leaving a <laughs> path of destruction behind him. Like everyone's lives are being ruined by his fucking lives. And it's like, dude, guy. Like, does, does the, uh, what's that saying? Does the end meet, um, does the ends justify the means? Does the ends justify the means? Like in this case, no, it doesn't because like you're being a total dick and ruining, like summer is about to change the entire course of her life, not go or go to Brown because of him. And his solution is just lie. I don't know. It just really bothered me. And it's a weird thing because in his mind, he's like, he's couching it as he doesn't want Summer to miss out on the opportunity to go to Brown because he thinks like in his mind, that's like the ideal, like he's obsessed with Brown. That's the best thing you could possibly do after graduating high school. And so he knows that if he tells her he didn't get in, there's a good chance that she's like, oh, well, okay, I'm not going to go anymore. And he's like, that would be a huge mistake for her. But it, like at the same time, it's like, uh, yeah, it's it's weirdly manipulative, but I think he's doing it from a place that is good, but it's just misguided. Yeah, I agree. I think it is. It's coming from the right place. But yeah, it's just it's like, dude, at the end of the day, you got to take a step back and realize no matter what your intentions are, if you're ruining all the people you care about lives like now the intentions no longer make any logical sense because <laughs> you've ruined everyone that you care about's life. Yeah, it, it, it is tough. It's heartbreaking. Like he obviously does not like he's missing out on Brown and now he's missing, you know, he's breaking up with the girl he loves as well. So he's losing both of these two things and it's heartbreaking to watch. She said um, the intern Whitney actually had a pretty good take that I might, you know, give her like a, ten dollar panera gift card for whoa yeah. wow yeah. all right we'll see that um, is that is big time she likened it to the uh, we we're trying to think of examples of what movie this happens in but it's definitely a trope it's like the guy is trying to like yell at or kick the dog he loves to, to get him to leave oh, you know dude i can't i it's can't hard. even go can't my even, stomach hurts even think, with the visual it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah, I can't even. I a dog guy. I have a dog. Had a dog for the last eight years of my life. Can't even think of that. It's a good analogy, but it makes yeah. my stomach hurt really. But bad. He, I I don't know if you can pull the movie I'm thinking about, but just you know the scene in movies where the guy's like, oh, "Get away!" Isn't that old Yeller? I think so. Potentially, uh, there's a movie I recently seen. Um, it's a, a movie about. Like Inuit people that live way up in Canada playing lacrosse. It randomly happens in the beginning of that movie. Dude, I can't believe you just nailed that. Inuit people. 
You like that? <laughs> you nailed it. It made it, it was so seamless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hey. kind of um, it's a, that's the kind of dude PC podcaster that you that you are. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. Uh, I any anything with a uh, dog, I I can't. I I know exactly the scene you're talking about where they're like kicking it or telling it to like just go, go, get out of here, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I, dog, I can't. And the I, guys crying and everybody's sad. It everybody. It's it's a trigger for me. Anyways, Seth, get fucked. Be free and explore brought to you by Wicklow Ware. See you later. Lastly, dude, uh, we have a dual breakup episode because Sadie also breaks up with Ryan at the end of this college party because she, as we were saying, Sadie, don't go to this sweatshirt party. You don't go to the high school. Don't go. Right. She went and it inevitably led to her realizing in the moment, this makes no logical sense. We need to break up, obviously. Yes. Tough. That one was tough too. Um, you know, cue in a little background music. Another somber ending. You know, two somber endings to to the episodes on this podcast because this music's playing and it ends with uh, the first one is Marissa blowing lines of coke, and then the second one is Ryan and Seth both got broken up with. They reconvene at his pool house. Ryan in the sweatshirt with no hood lays down on his bed on his back. Seth walks in, dejected, defeated. Ryan has no socks on, by the way. Really? Laying on the bed, which was shocking to me. Sorry, go on. That is shocking. I honestly don't remember Ryan ever being without shoe socks or bits. Rare, rare foot shot. <laughs> rare foot shot of ryan anyways seth walks in dejected defeated lays down sprawls out on the floor little overhead shot of ryan and seth brothers dude fake brothers fades to black episode ends somber now look we got four or five episodes left in season three and uh they're taking us into some darkness. I feel it. Mm, I feel it. It's tugging. I feel it in my loins. I feel it everywhere. But my premonition, my soul is starting to feel like the inside of Volchek's apartment right now. Yeah. That's good. Good visualization. Who is your MVP? This one's straightforward. It's uh it's Ryan Atwood. Uh for the <laughs> mentioned 9 30 a.m what we thought was going to be a fight really was a hey hey treat it right kind of thing that was just a class act move and then in episode 20 there starts to become this thing with him and marissa showing a real sign of maturity on his part where he's just kind of there for her in a like a non-dramatic way um just kind oh, of yeah like, it's like a friend's way and it warmed the heart it warmed this podcaster's heart and then there's this little moment with Marissa, like during that quad montage, where she gingerly, like you said, end episode 19 is her blowing rails of full check. End of episode 20 is her gingerly folding her Berkeley hoodie and putting it into her drawer. Like she's kind of excited to go to college with Ryan. Like, you know, they might, they're probably not going to be dating. They might just be good friends. She's just excited to have like that dude in her corner. 
So to me, that was an MVP style episode for, for our guy, Ryan. You know, I do agree with all your points. I, I think Ryan's like really turning a corner here and I appreciate it. I like what he's doing. And even when Sadie broke up with him, it was like he kind of knew that was the right thing. And it was like a maturity, like like a maturity that's seeping in that I appreciate because I love Sadie. But even when they were breaking up, like same as Ryan, I was like, this is right. This this should happen. Maybe maybe the crew neck sweatshirt was just like an allegory for his maturity, you know? Dude, that's such a good point. Yeah, because like you said, Chino, that's Ryan with the hooded sweatshirt. And now the hood's gone. No hood. Out from out of the hood and now no hood. Yeah. Yeah. Fix it. Yeah, we'll yeah, we'll we'll fix that up in post and, and yeah. make it real like impactful. Yeah, I'll make that sound better in post. Can I just say I'm Marissa? I didn't hate what Marissa was doing in these two episodes. No. Dynamic would be the word for me. Yeah. Solid episodes by Marissa. There's a there's a shot of her at the college sweatshirt party where she's just kind of standing alone. Like everybody kind of walks away for a second and she's just standing there and she's not sad. There's a look on her face that's not sad, but not super happy. You don't know what's going on, but it's deep. And I was I was into it. Do you remember the shot? Yeah, I do. And like I have a perfect vis- visualization of it. And like in my head, I'm like, God, what a shame that it took like three seasons for Marissa to fully figure out that character. And I feel like when she plays it like that, where she's like conflicted and like, she's kind of got an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. And she's like, yeah, back and forth between these two worlds. It's like really impactful. And it, it really sucks that it took this long because I've wanted her to die this entire time. And then like, now I don't, and they're going to kill her off. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, also, a quick note at the college party. I don't know if you caught this, but somebody's taken a picture of them and they refer to the group as the core four. Yeah, Taylor. Taylor calls them the core four. And I mean, that's what we've been calling all the, uh, like, I guess all the groups from these teen shows. I don't know if you got that from this episode or if it was just serendipitous. I mean, it was probably subliminally like floating around in our heads. Like I'd like it to be over these years. (laughs) And when we first made that call on the podcast, it was like the subliminal and the non-subliminal like merging. Yeah. It's just like, I have all of Taylor Townsend's words just somewhere stashed deep in my head, just kind of coming out every once in a while. Waiting. Waiting. Waiting Waiting for their moment. Yeah. All right. Cool note to end on kids. God damn. Damn, is it getting late? And God damn, is it time for you to tuck on in? Get real, real snug in those sheets. Get ready to go to sleep, kids. Have a really good night. And Pat, what are we going to tell those kids as we sign off? Clear eyes, full hearts. Do less, kids. Do less. You want to do that again without a voice crack? I would love to. Do way less. <laughs> do way do way less. I might actually keep that voice crack in if you're cool with it, because that was hilarious. Yeah. You uh you owe, <laughs> you owe me one Panera gift card and I'm gonna give that to the intern.
Hey, intern Whitney, you can come on now. The pod's over if you want to show your face and say what up. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.